What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yes Politics. This is a podcast where I interview content creators about their view on politics. And today I got an awesome guest. I have the creator of a game called Supreme Courtship. It's in development right now, a game where you will play younger versions of Supreme Court justices and become a Supreme Court justice yourself and deal with all the things young people deal with, as well as learn about the Supreme Court, make decisions that affect the law of the land, and all sorts of fun stuff. So I'm super excited to have with me Jesse from Just Us Games. Jesse, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, all things considered. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. So tell us a little bit about you. Who are you and who is Just Us Games? uh who is who is me who is who is jesse shepherd um that's an interesting question i've i'm new to game development so i'm I'm here in uh, seattle washington sunny seattle washington uh i'm coming into game development after having been a software engineer for a number of years um but i've been getting more and more into politics and was sort of unsatisfied with uh what I was doing as a software engineer, it didn't feel like it was sort of making a difference. So I've been spending more time working for political campaigns and, you know, creating something that will hopefully make a difference in the future. Awesome. And so are you the owner of Just Us Games? Uh Oh, we lost Jesse. Hold on. There he is. Yeah. He's back. Okay. <laughs> Cut out a little bit. Um, no, no problem. I said, are you the owner of Just Us Games? Is that your company? Yeah, I, I founded the company, um, I don't know, mid last year. Um, and it is a two person company, Just Us, um, which is also a, a play on justice. Um, right. a few, few folks have noticed that. Uh, but yeah, we're a, a small two person, uh, two person game dev team here in Seattle. Awesome. And is this the first production you guys are been working on? Yeah, this is the first uh, first video game we've worked on. I've worked in the tabletop gaming space before, um, but this is a you know, it, this is merging my my gaming, my politics, and my software engineering all into sort of one umbrella. That's awesome, man. So um, before we jump into the game, let's let's like talk about. I love asking people about what got them into politics. So you said that you've been heavily involved in politics. Um, has that always been the case, or was that triggered by the election in 2016, like many of us? Well, I've always been involved in politics in sort of a bare minimum sense, right? Like I've always voted. Um, I think even in mid midterm elections, just kind of seeing that ballot show up was like, ooh, like I get a sort of cast a vote. It's always fun. Um, and I always, uh, you know, I grew up on things like the daily show and the Colbert rapport as just like really, you know, a way that you could be entertained, but still sort of be keeping up with current events. And, um, so I've always kind of had my eye on politics when the, um, with the 2016 election, I sort of got more, um, felt like I wanted to do more, um, and be more directly involved. Um, so that's part of what pushed me towards, um, working on Supreme Courtship. Um, a more, um, a more focused catalyst was interacting with, interacting with my family. Um, my family's very conservative and I've always been able to get along with them, even though we, um, disagree on most things. Um, there's still things that we have in common, 
But one thing really opened my eyes during the 2016 election was they would say things like, you know, hey, we're not fans of Trump, but at least he's going to appoint conservative justice. And my mind was blown because I would never hear some of my more liberal friends talk that way. And it made me realize there was this big gap between the enthusiasm gap between, um, you know, I'll say, you know, the left and the right, but also younger and older voters when it comes to the Supreme Court. So I thought with, you know, with a game, we might be able to help make that branch of government be more relatable and help people develop informed opinions about the only members of government that serve for a lifetime. Yeah, that's super interesting to hear. And I, I think that's that's true. I, I do hear people on the right talking a lot more about the Supreme Court and using and seeing it as a goal to turn it mm -hmm. into a conservative court. And I think that's kind of a pushback, right? And probably what mm -hmm. was happening over the last few decades. So um, I agree. I do see um, an opportunity there to educate people and bring them up on what's what the Supreme Court is and why it's so important. Because you know, I think most people don't even know how many justices are on the Supreme right. Court, right? I mean, let yeah. alone the names of any of them, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So that that was kind of my next question. Like, why did you pick this as your first game? And it sounds like just based on your conversations with family and friends, you saw an opportunity here. Um, what made you go this route of making them younger people and also, as we saw in the video about on your Kickstarter about it, um, to deal with their romantic and friendships and stuff like that. Yeah, well, the the younger aspect of it is just we wanted to find a way to make the game more relatable. And I thought one way to kind of make the Supreme Court like more fun was just to give them a sort of a, a young, stylish vibe. Um, so that was kind of a no brainer for us. Um, we we had originally steered the project to be um, to focus more on some possible romance. Um, there's a, a genre of games called the like dating sim genre that there's a lot of weird experimentation happening in, and we thought, hey, we can get in on some of that. Um, that decision has been more and more controversial as we kept going with recent appointments, um, such as with uh, Justice Kavanaugh. And we just realized, you know what? Romance isn't the way we want to be taking this game. Um, so we've instead decided to focus more on friendships um, because one of the original inspirations for the game was Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her friendship with um, the late Justice Scalia. They would disagree on everything and have heated arguments in the courtroom but outside the courtroom, they were really close friends. And I always wanted to, you know, portray this ideal world where people can disagree, but still get along. Um, so we just decided to focus on that as the core. Um, so you build friendships with people across the aisle, and that helps you learn about who they are. And it also helps you influence them to your side of an argument. So you actually have an incentive as a, as a player to work with somebody that would normally disagree with you to bring them to your side. Got you. So what is that what you would say? Like, what is the goal of the game? Like, is there um, I don't want you to spoil it or anything, but what is um, is it just to experience being a Supreme Court justice and, and living walking a mile in their shoes? Or is there actual like an end game uh, goal 
in the game. Yeah, so the the player's goal, um, you know, you start the game finding out you've been essentially accidentally appointed to the Supreme Court. So you're <laughs> there, you have no idea what the justices do, what the Supreme Court does, and you've got to sort of pick it all up on the fly. So the player's goal is to get comfortable with understanding and, and figuring out what they're supposed to do, what, the, what their role is on the court. Um, but, you know, to make it more interesting, we do add this sort of mystery element of what happened to your predecessor. Um, so those are the two things that are driving the player. Um, our goal as a developer is to just give people a crash course in, um, you know, just the, the basics of what the Supreme Court's all about. Um, and you know, raise the bar of like legal uh, literacy in this country. Gotcha. I like that. Yeah. And if people if people came away from our game and all they figured out was what the names of the justices are and which way they leaned in in general, that's already a win because that's more than most people can do right now. That's. I mean, that's that was like my next question is going to be like. Um, you don't see many games that teach, right? And as an activist, I think we, like I see myself as an activist first and a streamer second, mm -hmm. and we have mm -hmm. to put our energy into things that we're good at. In my opinion, we can all go out there with a sign and march and stuff like that, but when we do yeah. stuff that really caters to what we're good at, um, I think it can be tremendous. So have you seen other examples, other games where you thought that people were taught really well about something that, that was kind of complicated, like something similar, not similar, but you know, like I'm just kind of curious um, why games are so good at teaching people stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the thing with games is that no matter what, when you're playing a game, you're learning something, right? You might be learning the names of all the Pokemon and which types beat other types, or you might be learning which builds are gonna work in, you know, the like, MMO you're playing, um, you're always learning something. So it seems like more games should be trying to teach something that's a little more closer, that, that has more real world applications. There's a lot of challenges with that that I'd be happy to get into later. Um, I think one good example of a game that uh, teaches about sort of current events is a, an indie game that's out now. You can, you can buy it, you can play it right now. It's called Headliner. Um, and it's by a, uh, a group here in Seattle. And it's like, it's like fake news, the game. You basically work for a news agency and you get to choose the headlines that go out and you get to see what the effects of that on the world are. So it's a, it's a really cool game. Wow. Somebody in the chat says, uh, headliner's great. That sounds amazing. Showing how media works and its effect on the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really cool concept. Wow. Now, here's another question I had. Um, I've searched a few times on Steam for politics, games with politics. It's not a very popular category. Um, yeah. So do you see, like, do you just see a lack of effort on developers and when it comes to games involving politics? Or do you think, do you think um, that people just haven't addressed this, this uh, need or people don't even know they want this yet? Um, interesting. I don't know that there's a big need. Um, I think if, if there was a really big need, it would have been satisfied by now and it, it wouldn't take somebody like me to like really be pushing for it. Um, 
I think there's a lot of barriers. Uh, I think, uh, you know, games have this, uh, when people are playing games, they want to be entertained, right? And it's very easy when people hear that a game is about politics or it's a it's an educational game to assume that that's the primary focus and to um, just be be turned off by the concept, right? They wanna they wanna play something to have fun. Sure. Um, the other half of that is our culture is steeped in politics, and there's so many avenues that are already kind of giving people what they want in terms of politics and staying up to date. Um, so. Um, and, and that are better equipped to handle politics. Making a game takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money. And the, by the time the game is released, it's likely that whatever it was trying to address is no longer impactful, no longer relevant. Um, that's one of the reasons we picked the Supreme Court, because people play our game 20, 30 years from now, the, the things they learn are still valuable, right? Elena Kagan's still on the court. Samuel Alito's still on the court. Um, so we thought there was a that we were uniquely situated to um, to tell a story, but also to teach something that's going to be valuable for a long time. Yeah, I I agree. I see it like that. I, I see what you're saying about like, politics is very topical, so difficult to develop a game or any content around that because it changes and it doesn't have that evergreen effect. So and like that's you right. said, developing a game takes years and. Um, you don't want to see that the next hot topic come along. All of a sudden, you've got a game about Trump and he's not even president anymore or something like that. Right. Interesting. So what about this question? Obviously, we're all biased with our political beliefs, right? And you said you're mm -hmm. an activist and you're involved. So obviously, you've got your position. How do you do you let that affect the game or do you try to open it up to a wider range of political beliefs? Meaning, let's say you're on the left. And you want people on the right maybe to learn more about the Supreme Court um, in order to stop, like you said, fake news. Just everybody in general gets smarter about the Supreme Court so we can be less divisive about it maybe. And I mean, mm -hmm. so so do you make a decision to, in, to allow your political bias, I know it's a negative word, but into the game or are you making an effort to not do that? We're definitely making an effort to not do that. You know, the goal is to be educational. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we're trying to cast the justices in as positive, positive of a light as possible. Um, to be honest, you know, if we if we took a if we if we leaned the game more heavily to the left or the right, like let's say it was the you know the Ruth Bader Ginsburg adventure game, and it was all about her, like mm -hmm. we'd probably get more traction, right? Like she is somebody who has a lot of uh, you know weight on social media. And because we're taking a step back and trying to be positive about both branches, um, it's harder to get that buy-in. But it's really important for us that we're a game that's sort of teaching and not taking a stance. Um, the only exception to that has been with the some of the justices' personal lives where they've done things that we need to be very... Um, careful and make sure that we're sort of informing players about so that they don't end up, you know, spending time with the justice that they find out like, oh, this person's done, you know, some or, or alleged to have done some really bad stuff. And now I feel weird about playing this game. So politics, wow. we're fine to be, you know, neutral on, but 
behaviors is something we're happy to take a stance on. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, because I remember when I first opened it up, I saw RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, looking great, looking hip. And then I saw Clarence Thomas. He's looking awesome, too. And I was like, well, they're, they're treating everybody equally here, making everybody look cool. Right. Because you could make people look silly and stuff to be, to, to, you know, you could take advantage of that. But everybody mm -hmm. looks cool. They all look great. Yeah, we're I'm, I'm a fan of I'm a fan, all the characters we've done. I'm, I'm really happy with. Yeah, I think they all look fantastic. And it's really it, you've made the Supreme Court cool. Right. And it's like <laughs> on my stream, I try to make C-SPAN cool. We watch a lot of C-SPAN here and oh, yeah. try to add effects and little things and stuff and, and uh, joke about it. But that's the goal. Right. And it's like taking this really difficult subject, hard to watch like C-SPAN or the Supreme Court and making it cool. So absolutely. Let me ask you about the elephant in the room. So you've mentioned Brett Kavanaugh is not in the game. Yeah. What was the decision making behind that? Well, it was, I mean, honestly, it was pretty easy. Uh, we were poised to launch the game initially right around the confirmation hearings. Um, the thinking being, we've got this Kickstarter, we want to launch it um, around the midterms to capitalize on all the political energy. And then we heard about the sexual assault allegations and my hair stood up. You know, mm. we'd already had a tough enough time justifying why we were keeping Thomas in the game and not removing him. And so I was like, no, please do not put another, you know, sexual harasser, sexual assaulter on the court. Um, but I sort of worried that it was going to happen. Um, so when it did happen, I was personally really upset and was not excited about working on the game Supreme Courtship anymore. Uh, so I took a break. I did more um, activism. I worked for the um, Dr. Kim Schreier's campaign for Congress. Um, she won, which is great. Um, and when we returned to the game, we just we just decided, you know, we, we don't want to put Kavanaugh in. We're not he hasn't had enough time on the bench for us to even have anything substantive, substantive to say about him. So we decided let's stay the course, try to launch our Kickstarter as is. And, um, that'll be that. Gotcha. So the original idea was to, with the eight, with eight justices and then you as the new Supreme court justice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the, the original concept came about in, in 2016, and at that point, the eighth, the, the ninth seat was empty anyways. It's right. now, um, it's, it's not in the ninth seat anymore, but that seat was filled by uh, Neil Gorsuch. And we'd always planned on the player being the ninth justice and then throwing any new justices that got filled in, we would include them in the game in some way. They just wouldn't be on that court. Gotcha. So without any spoilers, if you can, how do you address these such personal and um, difficult subjects like Clarence Thomas's personal life? Well, that stuff hasn't been written yet. So I can't give it a definitive answer on, on how we're, I, I can't give you a spoiler because we haven't <laughs> written it yet. Um, but we are, whenever the player is, has the option to hang out with a justice, we want to make sure that it's always an option. It's never forced. They're never going to be forced to hang out with somebody that they might have strong personal opinions about. Um, in terms of Clarence Thomas, 
we are we're going to handle those accusations in sort of a i don't know i guess like a desperate housewives kind of way i haven't seen the show maybe that's a bad reference to make but the idea being that the justices in our game are all sort of younger they're stylish and they're kind of catty right they're like really intelligent people that just throw shade at each other all the time and one of the ways they can do that is be like yo like you got to know what this guy's been accused of and even if he isn't going to talk to you about it um you have to know what's been said about him um you know clarence thomas hasn't apologized or um admitted to anything that he's been accused of and we're not going to write him a redemption arc so we're just going to handle that by having other characters mention it yeah, it's interesting. I like that it's just kind of treated in sort of a gossipy sort of way, like because it is an accusation, right? As as right. much as many of us believe it and uh, applaud Anita Hill for coming forward, unfortunately, it's not proven. Um, right. Interesting. Um, and I I'll add one more thing, mm -hmm. um, which is that you know this is something that we want to take very seriously and um, and carefully. And before we made a decision on how to handle Clarence Thomas, we worked with local leaders of Black Lives Matter and Moms Demand Action, um, two, two groups here in Seattle. Hmm. Um, they're bigger groups, but uh, we talked to the local leaders and we're just like, hey, we're planning on including this character. We want to portray him in a positive light, but also he has these um, problematic aspects. And we turn to them on to, to get their advice and feedback on how to proceed because we're just a small two-person team we don't have the perspective to handle this well and so we're just making sure to include as many people in that conversation as possible did that open up a can of worms by reaching out to these organizations perhaps in your own world of like whoa i didn't realize people feel this way or that way or um did it change anything what you thought it definitely opened up my eyes to how strongly people feel about these these characters. Um, it helped us realize that there were certain ways we were planning to portray the character that we didn't even realize were problematic, and so we dialed those back. Mm -hmm. um, one important takeaway was just the fact that, like, you know, hey, there's going to be people out here with very strong views on these characters, and in a lot of ways, those views are are going to be justified and you need to make sure that players always have the option to um to choose who they want to spend time with who they want to interact with um and that's not how a lot of games like ours are written most games like ours players make kind of arbitrary choices and then find out that they're stuck with this character in a conversation and we wanted to make sure that the player always had an informed choice of who they spent time with. That's so interesting that you can avoid some of your characters in the game due to personal decisions. Um, it's very, you, very interesting. You, yeah, it's it's that you you're choosing not to spend sort of one on one time with them in the big group scenes, right? That's still everybody kind of gets their gets their say, but in terms of who you want to hang out with after you know court recess, you you get to choose. Um, another question, what is the most complicated thing that you decided to try to, to 
put in the game to teach people? Like, where did you draw the line on like, okay, this is, this is going to be really hard to teach in my game. Was there anything like, where did you draw the line on that? Or are you like, everything is game? That, well, that line is, is being drawn as we speak. So we've got a, a Kickstarter campaign that, you know, we're, we're looking for funding right now to continue development on this game. And a lot of the more difficult topics we want to work with um, experts to make sure that we're kind of treating it in a, in a good way. Um, the, as far as what's covered in the current writing, I, we're not covering anything controversial. I think we just cover like, you know, where Supreme Court cases come from, um, how uh, justices get appointed, um, and what the like oral argument and legal opinion writing um, process is like. So that's more of like the kind of bare bones stuff. Mm -hmm. um, for upcoming cases, we're going to be very uh, narrow on what we choose to to focus on and do things that have more like um, uh, that have more sort of like procedural impact. So like Citizens United versus FEC is one we've always wanted to cover because that is like that's a very kind of big picture um, court case and doesn't affect people's um, in a very like structured way. Um, it's not something like Roe v. Wade, for example, which would be a pretty tough topic to cover in a video game that's trying to be lighthearted and fun. <laughs> right, yeah, I agree. Um, as you've gone through this process, do you see other, fa other um, facets of government being able to be taught in this manner? Like, are you inspired to make a game about Congress or state government? Like, has anything else come across your mind like that? I think those... So first off, those those branches are pretty well covered by the media. Um, but in working on this game, I found that the media doesn't really care about the Supreme Court very much. Like even with the Kavanaugh stuff, it was being reported for a week in more niche news circles before it really hit the mainstream. So for a while, I was like pulling out my hair being like, why is nobody talking about this? Um, and a lot of like big Supreme Court rulings just kind of don't really get remarked on so other branches are, are pretty well covered um but i think that there are uh there's a lot of board games honestly and tabletop games that are doing a good job of teaching how those branches function um Interesting. our game is more of a character um like we're focusing on the characters so it wouldn't work as well in a board game. It works better in a story format. But teaching like the incentive structures of Congress and who has power and who has power in the three branches of government over like what the checks and balances are, um, those sorts of like structural, um, those sorts of structures are well taught through gameplay mechanics um, from like a traditional board game. Gotcha. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that that other that other uh, forms of government are more palatable to people for some reason because mm -hmm. I think the Supreme Court is very exciting. Um, it's a lot less accessible. There's no cameras allowed inside yeah. the Supreme Court, right? There's audio recordings, but yep. who's going to go listen to 
uh, something that was live previously. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so Me, nobody, I'm going to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're probably one of like a hundred people downloading. No, yeah. but there's probably a few, there's probably a couple thousand, but you know, they're not the most popular downloads. Right. I, I've yeah. never listened to the Supreme court arguments. I've never downloaded one of those audio files, but right. I think if they allowed cameras into there, um, you know, there's arguments for and against it, but I personally believe it would make people more excited about the Supreme Court. Could it have yeah. effects on it? So I was kind of curious, like, what are your thoughts on no cameras in the Supreme Court? Um, it's a, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll preface that by saying I haven't really researched the ramifications of it. I believe most of the justices before they're appointed, they say like, yeah, we should allow cameras. And then they get on the Supreme Court and they're like, no cameras. Um, <laughs> So I think that I think that having cameras in the court would certainly make it more um more approachable. Um I think the risk is that a lot of what they do um is has a lot of nuance and does take a a bit of sort of work to really understand what the um what is being said and I think that the more that it's kind of if you if you did have video cameras in there, it could some of what they're doing out of context. Now, if it's something that's taken out of context, so what? Right? Like it's not like they're gonna get it. It would be very difficult for them to get impeached for something like that, and they don't need to get elected. So why not just let cameras in there? Yeah, I mean they're lifetime appointments. You know, it's like I don't know. And, I I don't think it would change them much personally. To have yeah, to be on in, camera. In working on this game, we've been able to do uh, interviews with some members of the Washington State Supreme Court, hmm. and just kind of think about how that court is structured versus the U.S. Supreme Court. And our state Supreme Court, it allows cameras, um, and the justices serve every six years, and then they need to be sort of—they're uh, actually elected, which is interesting. They're elected for six years. The justices themselves choose the chief justice each year so there's a lot of and there's an age limit of like six, 75 i think but there's a gotcha. lot of nice reforms that our our state has uh, put in place for the supreme court interesting it's great to hear that you're able to compare it to the state court yeah that's cool mm -hmm. um i feel like you've probably learned a lot about government by going down this road as well yeah absolutely i mean i started this project just being like you know what I care about politics and I don't know anything about the Supreme Court. Like, what does that say about, you know, the majority of people? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised how little I know about politics. I started doing this about eight months ago and um, I learn stuff every day from the community and just from doing research and stuff. So if you want to learn, teach, right? That's true. So I'm going to take a few questions from the chat. If you guys have any questions for Jesse, please post them in chat. I saw Gilsom was uh, asked a question here said what do you think about corporate democrats <laughs> so i'll just preface i'll add a little more to that and say um what do you think about the current crop of democrats running in 2020 i've been i've been following this for fun i don't know if i have very strong um views yet i mean i think it's going to be a very interesting race to watch with with how many candidates there are um, you know, I've got certain folks that I'm a fan of, but <laughs> I don't know if I've done enough like research to, to want to air my views too much right now. Um, I'd love a, a 
definition of what like corporate Democrats are. I assume that's Democrats that are fans of big business or kind of in the pocket of big business. I would assume it means Democrats that are taking money from corporate PACs. So yeah. for example, like even Elizabeth Warren said that she's not mm. taking any corporate PAC money during the primaries, but after that, she's she'll take money from big donors. Whereas Bernie Sanders said all just little donations from people, individuals, no corporate money at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of I guess I won't say I'm a fan of. I am very skeptical of the influence of corporations. And so in that in that light, I like how Bernie is focusing on small donations and small fundraising. Um, but I also like uh, having people in power that are making a real impact. And if you need to get... But unfortunately, our system is structured such that you need money in order to get elected. And if you need to get that money from like big corporations, like I can see why that would have a draw. So it's like, I wouldn't want to say that I wouldn't want to say I, I will not support somebody that takes corporate money because I think you could very easily throw out somebody who's really going to push for making this nation better, um, but just needs, you know, everybody to be like pitching in. Gotcha. Fair enough. Another question here from Recon says, who is your justice waifu? And I know he's, <laughs> he's joking around, but yeah. um, who's your favorite Supreme Court justice? Yeah, my favorite is, I mean, I love them all so much, so it's very hard. <laughs> um, I was always a, a fan of Justice Scalia. Um, I, again, don't agree with him, but he got the most laughs. Like, they actually mathematically counted how many laughs he got, and he got the most laughs out of all the justices, which... It makes him my favorite. Um, of the current court, I would go with um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She is just very, uh, very inspirational. She doesn't, you know, like nothing gets her down. Um, she's the only justice that routinely makes um, multiple dissenting opinions. So she'll be like, here's why you're wrong. Here's a separate reason why you are wrong. Uh, she's, yeah, she's very cool. I like her. <laughs> awesome. Um, Addy said, uh, what do you think of Howard Schultz since you're from the Washington area and so is he, what is your thoughts on the local billionaire? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, I wouldn't, okay. Being from Seattle, I, I don't think of Howard Schultz as a local billionaire. <laughs> okay. Um, like we're, so Seattle's also like Amazon headquarters. So like, if you're talking about local billionaires, you're talking Bill Gates, you're talking Jeff Bezos, you're talking Paul Allen, um, whom I used to work for, rest in peace. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like Howard Schultz doesn't really like come to mind personally. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm I not a huge fan of billionaires. I think they have the most money invested in making sure their public image is good. And boy, I wish I had that kind of money to just like have people write good things about me all the time. Um, yeah, I'm I'm generally skeptical of billionaires. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's like a centrist right now. He's saying, uh, right. I'm kind of hanging in the middle. We've been debating that on the stream. Like, is that is that where the energy is right now? Like, hey, we just want somebody in the middle. So he seems to have fallen off, uh, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of pushback locally of people being like, 
what <laughs> like mm -hmm. where's this coming from this is stupid right i always think you should run, run for something a little smaller before president first in my right. opinion <laughs> maybe try mayor or something um nate swain said does clarence thomas have any lines in the game i'm assuming he does like he will the in the current in the current demo he doesn't <laughs> he just he nods curtly you know um but the he you know he'll be a a focal character in the game and then i think the... clarence thomas in, in real life he doesn't speak um during oral arguments famously so we're gonna keep that intact so during the big group oral argument scenes he will you know just kind of stare um you know just kind of watch uh and, and judge in silence uh, but yeah if you talk to him he'll tell you what he's thinking is his wife in the game do you know about his wife i know about his wife um yeah the only characters in the game that are real life characters real life people are the justices themselves mm. um with the only exception of merrick garland um he is the only other named character that is uh a real life person He's not a sitting justice, but he is kind of, he's related to that situation. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Clarence Thomas's wife, and I know they're younger versions of themselves in the game, but uh, she's mm -hmm. a piece of work, for sure. <laughs> she's wild. Uh, <laughs> Eva Unislove, she said, my friend Eva, she said, do we have any idea when the game will be out? That's a good question. I mean, right now we are on Kickstarter trying to get... Uh, the funding we need to make the game um we're asking we're about 50 percent of the way there but only 10 days left um so it's the future of this game is definitely um kind of up in the air at the moment okay. um, if we are successfully funded then i would want the game to be out in 2020 or maybe early 2021 um it's it's important for me that the game is out on a politically relevant time scale right I don't want to make this game and then six years work on the game and then six years later it's out um so that's very much going to be in my mind if uh as i work on it okay cool um then two last questions here i'll take here so mega power mc said how do you feel about socialism it seems democrats have been moving towards it and it does seem like there is a shift in the country a bit towards at least some socialized things like medicine and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel good about socialism. There's, there's the strong first statement. Um, you know, in my previous life, I was a software engineer. And it seemed clear to me that the, the nation was going more and more towards um, increased automation, right? Uh, that's not in and of itself a bad thing, right? But in the current, the way we have our, our, our nation structured, automation means people lose their jobs and aren't taken care of. And I see the, the next huge disruption, in my opinion, is going to be um, truck drivers. Um, I think automated trucks and trucking is on the horizon. And I think displacing those workers you know they're not going to find jobs as software engineers displacing those workers is going to me oh and it's also it's a job that it can't be outsourced so trucking companies are going to be looking for ways to hire cheaper robots right so i think 
I think that's the next domino to fall. And just as a software engineer, it seems really obvious to me that like that's the direction things are moving and we need to take steps as a society to restructure ourselves to take care of people. We have the we have the money. Like we are a very wealthy nation. We have the money and the means to take care of our citizens. Um and we just need to do it. Yeah, right on. I definitely agree that it's a problem that's coming and um there's a few solutions out there, but I think we have to think big picture, so I like that. Last question then here, what do you think about ranked choice voting? It's part of HR1, House Resolution 1, the Democrats' proposal, nationwide ranked choice voting. Any thoughts on ranked choice voting? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that I, as a, a huge nerd, love, right? Like, oh, I love having more control over, over, over my options and like, you know, expressing my my uh preferences you know as as ex explicitly as possible um i would i don't have the i would worry about um whether or not people that have a hard enough time voting as is um would understand that system um you know i i did some campaigning and did door-to-door -door, um work for the the dr kim schreier campaign for congress and a lot of the people that we talked to in low-income communities were, um, you know, new citizens that have been living here for a while, but like weren't as integrated to the culture. And I worked with a lot of people that had some um, misconceptions about the voting process that I had to work them through. And I think the more difficult you make it, the more the more hurdles that you introduce, you're going to lose a lot of people that um, are. That, that already have barriers to entering the democratic process. Yeah, I agree. I remember when ranked choice voting was picking up steam in Maine and being talked about in 2016, I watched a few videos on it and I really couldn't find any great sources on how to explain it properly. It's pretty complicated to show visually what ranked choice voting looks like. Yeah. And um, so there may be some opportunity for you there as a game developer as well. Um, you know, Not a bad thought. Yeah, because people are kind of intimidated by ranked choice voting, and it's it makes sense once you get it. But until you can grasp it, having no idea and not ever been exposed to it as an American, which most of us haven't, yeah. it makes no sense. How, how does it work? You know what I mean? It's so confusing to people. Mm -hmm. But I think it's brilliant, and I think it uh, shores up our democracy when you can rank your candidates in order, and you don't lose your vote, so you don't have, feel like you're taking a risk on a third-party yeah. candidate. I'd be curious to see something like ranked choice voting adopted by a party in their primary process. Hmm. Because I think primary voters, number one, there's usually more options. And I think primary voters are more likely to be more um, savvy politically. And that might be a good um, spot to try or to, to really adopt ranked choice voting on a nationwide scale. And then once it gets to, you know, the, the like generic ballot, then you just have a more simple method. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. People are less emotionally invested into primaries, though they shouldn't be, but tech, you know, most people are. Um, so I think it's great. Well, Jesse, look, this has been a lot of fun. I've taken up a ton of your time. Appreciate you spending this time with us and sharing 
this awesome game and your thoughts behind it and stuff. Where can people find the Kickstarter? Where can they find you, Just Us Games, etc.? I will post the link in the. Oh, my my uh, partner is going to post the link in the in the chat. Um, okay. You can find us on Kickstarter. You search Supreme Courtship. Uh, basically, you can find us on any platform: Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're on Discord as well. Um, you just search Supreme Courtship, and you'll find us all over the internet. Use use your platform of choice. Okay, awesome. So there you go, guys. Search Supreme Courtship awesome name on any social media platform and you should find them they've got quite a presence and the kickstarter has an eight minute video that you can watch for even more details about the game and you gotta check it out you gotta look you gotta see this game not only is it cool based on what jesse described but visually this is a beautiful game and just you gotta see rbg and Clarence Thomas in their young versions. They made them look so cool. And it's so hip like now. It's not them back, you know, when they were young. It's like, what would they look like right now? It's really a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, so I highly recommend going I'm, to check out the Kickstarter. Thank you so much. I'm I'm really proud of it. Um, the eight minute video, just the, the first minute 30 is, the, um, is a trailer. Um, so you can watch that. And if you're not hooked, you can close the tab. But I hope that we, we hook you with that trailer. Awesome. Jesse, thanks again so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Guy. It was a pleasure. What an awesome interview. I had so much fun talking to Jesse from Just Us Games. I really appreciate him coming on the show and talking to me, and I hope you all enjoyed that as well. And if you want to talk politics, join us at twitch.tv slash I'm really important. I'm streaming four days a week at 4 p.m. Pacific time, and it's so much fun. We're having a civil discussion about the latest events, elected officials, bills, you name it. I would love to see you there. For this episode, we're all done. I'll see you guys next time. Have a good one, everybody.